the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas without any data to back that up. Bringing you the latest in all sports news from KCAC to AAC to the NBA to the NFL to the NCAA. You get all of that right here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the number one podcast throughout the state of Kansas without any proven data to back that up. That's right. We're talking about enjoying this train ride known as the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and your conductor on a Wednesday afternoon bringing you the updates from Friday Night Football Blitz. That's right. It is the high school football blitz midweek Wednesday getting you caught up to date on what happened and getting you set for what's to come. 6A all the way down to 6-man. So without any further ado, let's get these engines revved up on the train and let's get headed down the track because we got scores and highlights to bring you from this past weekend. That's right. Scores and highlights to bring you from this past Friday night. We're going to be looking at high school as well as KCAC and the NAIA scoreboard or rankings as well, too. We picked this up in the second, 14-0. Ike with a fourth down here. Derek Morgan avoids four tackles at the line. Somehow escapes left and picks up a first down that starts a chain reaction. Morgan with a touchdown pass to Chase George. The Tigers cut the deficit to seven. Ike's defense turning up the pressure. Max Brown flies in, hits Drew Kempard. They rule it a sack, no fumble on the play. Tigers back on offense. Morgan to Carter Pabst. Look at the toughness here, the strong stiff arm from Ike's star player. That's gonna help lead to more points. Derek Morgan scrambling. Finds Paydirt on fourth down there, and we're tied at 14. Ike offense back on the field. Third down at their own 10. Morgan up to Chase George. Moves the chains. And you can see where this one's going. Morgan, Pabst, slant, touchdown. And Ike gets the win. 35-14, a date with Capen next week. So there you have it. There you have it. Eisenhower knocks off Mays by the score of 35 to 14, which in essence will be setting up their destiny next week with none other than Capen Mount Carmel, which happens to be the lone school from the City League area. I say City League, which means right here in the, the Greater Wichita Athletic League. And we will get to that a little bit later why that has transpired the way it has transpired. 
but we're going to pull up these highlights as well from Capen in their game as they took on Mays South Mavericks. Even better second into the third quarter. McNew fires to Landon Gatto. Huge game for him. Hauls it in. Gets in for six. That made it 43 to 40. Capen. Don't worry. We're picking this up late. But there's a reason. Mavs get going. Another shot. That's Brady Rapp finishing the job. May South has their first lead of the game with nine minutes to go. Here we go. Uh, but here comes Capen. Dylan Hamilton. Drop back, lets it fly deep downfield. That's Will Thingball with a heck of a grab. And they're in position to get it to this man. Omari Elias takes it in for a jog. Touchdown number five for him on the game. And Capen back ahead, 50 to 47. Here we go late. South going for it on fourth and long. McNew, it's broken up by Austin Howard. And that is your dagger, the icing on the cake. Elias. Pushes and bullies his way in to make it a 10-point lead. That's your final. Capen moves on to the state semis. 50-47 to 47 winners. T.J. Cleland standing by live at Southeast with more on Elias making history tonight. T.J. Yeah, guys, what a night for the Capen Crusaders. I don't think that I had 104 total points on my bingo card tonight. I hope you guys took the over on this one. But, uh, you know, when you look at the weapons that each of these offenses have, it really doesn't come as much of a surprise. And it's kind of just showed tonight. We talked to uh, Coach Sharks after the game, and he told us that before the game even started, he told his coaches and his players, we need one stop. If we can get just one stop against these guys, we will be able to win a football game. They ended up getting a couple, and that's plenty whenever you got that guy in the backfield, Omari Elias. Listen to the stat line here. Unofficial, six rushing touchdowns, 346 rushing yards on the night. That now puts him solely in first place all time in city league history for rushing yards. Here's some of that after the game. Omari Elias is the best running back I've coached, and I've done it 41 years. He's I can't say enough about him, but he's a better kid. And he obviously is one of the best ones ever in the league. I've just been running hard, you know. At this point in the season, it's about the team. I know what I'm doing next year, so it's not really as much about uh, personal accolades. And uh, like I said, it's just a blessing. I'm just happy to have been able to do that. Of course, it's a huge accomplishment. Um, obviously, Bryce Brown was a great player. And, uh, yeah, I'm just glad to be able to put my name uh, next to his. Well, so many points tonight, they shut the lights off on me. But about as big of a performance as you can get to break that record as you can in Omari Elias' biggest game of his high school career. Now, these Cape and Crusaders are primed for another one in this wild 5A West. Tell them how the next one goes, guys. So, yes, Capen, 57-47 winners. And we'll be going up against Goddard Eisenhower, once again, who knocked off the other May school. So, both May schools seasons have come to an end. Nothing to hang their heads about. But now sets up a good showdown next week. You don't have to go that far to go check it out. It'll be a sea of blue on both sides of the stands as the Goddard Eisenhower Tigers will be taking on the Crusaders of Cape and Mount Carmel right here in the city of Wichita, which I'm pretty sure by Capen being the higher seed, that will make them the home team. So get on out and check this game out. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a packed house.
the next game I want to look at is, is another area team. It's not too far from here. It's not too far from here. No, it's not. And that would be that uh, Wellington and Wamego. And Wamego is one of those teams, let's just say, they play ball. And we're going to pull up those highlights as well. And once we're done with these highlights, we will go ahead and give you the scoring recap. But it's not the high school football blitz without the highlights. So we're going to pull up these highlights and let you find out what happened with Wellington against Wamego. Wamego, number four, Wellington. Wamego gets on the board first. Mason King here. Pushes his way into the end zone, 7-0 Red Raiders. The defense uh, of Wamego, we've talked about him. Uh, seems like for a decade here, and I've only been here for a year and a half. But uh, how about this, a little pick? When you take it back to the house, we call that a pick six. And uh, Wamego defense will do that to you. They do it all night. Wellington's defense with a batted down pass here, though. Nice little reach of the left hand. Wamego would miss a field goal. Then how about... Yeah, you're, you're going to see how this is going for Wellington. It's going to be another Wamego interception. And just not Wellington's night as they're going to go on. They're going to lose this one 49-0. But when you're playing the Red Raiders, that is going to happen to you. Wellington's season comes to an end in the quarterfinals. Here's a look at... So there you have it. Wellington falls. It shuts out by Wamego. Of course, as you heard him say, that happens. Here are some more highlights. McPherson and Andover Central. Bullpups. A little slow to begin here. We pick it up in the second quarter. Jags within scoring distance. It's the Jace to Jace combo for the touchdown. Jefferson to Adler. They kick things off. Doesn't stop there. Take a look at this. Punt return from Adler. Puts the Jags all the way back downfield. He's going to go for a minute there. Sets up this play. Jefferson drops. Too much time there. Runs around. And a little dime in there to Brant Stupka for the score. The Jags are up 14-0. Bullpups responded with a touchdown on a kick return. But the Jags keeping the pressure. Top of the third here. And this time, Jefferson connects with an offensive lineman, Andrew Bolin. The Bullpups made a little run. Central able to hang on. 28-21 winners to advance. So, yeah. McPherson falls to Andover Central. Jags revved up the engine and escaped with a victory. Well, what's up next? Well, I'll tell you what's next. Collegiate and Andale. Andale, Andale trying to extend the state's long home, longest home win streak. Uh, and they'd have to do it against the Spartans. Waste no time doing it. Second offensive play of the game. Gage Prosser finds the smallest hole but goes untouched all the way to the house. Andale strikes in under a minute, 6-0. Collegiate, uh, their turn on offense, and they'll need a little magic for the upset. Hudson Perales makes some there, avoids multiple sacks, finds his receiver for the big gain, but they'd have to punt. Andale back on offense now. This is their fourth play from scrimmage, and it's a toss out to Ryland White, finds the edge, eventually finds the sideline. Huge gainer on the play, and then the next one, Cooper Marks gets in on the action. Dyson up that Spartan defense, jukes in, for a score, 
they win 50 to 25. I'll tell you that Cheney also won, so that rematch next week is on in the semifinals. So there you have it, what everybody wants. The rematch. The team that hung a loss on Andale, Cheney. And based on what I've heard, Cheney is no joke. I mean, you knocked off the team that had the longest winning streak. Well, here's some highlights from Southeast of Selene and Hoisington. In Kansas, 91 points scored. Let's get to it. Hoisington's Tony Moore. Huge game, nearly gets in there, sets up a two-yard run from Taryn Kraft, and the Cards lead it, 7-0. Southeast quarterback Daniel Kerr fakes out the cameraman, but junior Tucker Thaxton wide open, able to hold it just long enough, 8-7 Trojans. More, more here. This time he gets the edge, makes it 48 yards on the house call. Cards back up 14-8 with four to play in the first. Trojans. Had regained the lead, but on the first play of the second quarter, Mason Alderice gets in from eight yards out. Hoisington back ahead 21-16. Uh, Wants more, more, you got it. After picking off a, a care pass, Moore runs it then 38 yards the other way. He does go out of bounds, sets up a one-yard touchdown run from Kraft. Misdirection working all night for the Trojans. Nathan Friesen, 31 yards down the sideline to make it 28-22, Hoisington. Still in the first half. Check out the catch from Mason Martin. And the Cards lead it 35-28 at the break. Southeast still in it. Hoisington facing third and 14 late. Guess who? Moore, a screen pass to Kraft. 17 yards on that gainer. Victory formation. The Cards are headed to Substate. 49-42 winners. And remember that name, Tony Moore. He may be someone to be reckoned with running back for Hoisington. So, as I was saying, back to the uh, Andale Cheney game. And Cheney was one that knocked off Andale. They had a 57 game winning streak, and Cheney knocked them off. And listening that people talk about this Cheney team. You'd almost forget that Andale had a 57-game home winning streak. From what I'm hearing, because I'm going to be one, I would tell you, based on the first time that Andale and Collegiate played, it was pretty much by, I believe, Andale standards, a slow, a low-scoring game because the final in that game was 28-7. to Even though some have said that Andale actually dominated that game, I was not there to see it. I'm just going based on the score, 28-7. So that tells me that it was a low-scoring game, and it wasn't quite the Andale that I knew them to be based on the final score, which will I come. I gave Collegiate a fighter's chance in that game. Well, you see they pretty much doubled them up, like by the score of 50-25. So that was the final count. But And they still, I mean, the thing about the fact that Collegiate still scored 25 on them, which now brings me to the next game because – I was listening that I was actually, uh, I called in my good buddy, Phil Stevenson. You can hear him on uh, the uh, his show called In the Zone. And I called in, then a guy from Cheney called in and said, well, evidently you haven't been to a game, blah, 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 blah. You know, he's saying his say. I didn't dispute him, but based on what he said about Cheney, Cheney got some dogs. No, I, I take that back. Cheney got some hogs. In the trenches where games are won. 
And Andale, they do have a methodical style of play. And I believe that most teams are defeated before the game is even played. But Cheney got some dogs that when they say games are won in the trenches and you have to control the line of scrimmage, Cheney is that physical team that Andale rarely gets to face off against. And going into this game, I'm hearing that there are some injuries on the Andale side, but hey, like they always say, next man up, next man up. They're going to bring their A game. No, they're going to bring their A plus A game. Because Cheney is going to be playing a dominant physical type of game. The likes that, well, I would say Andale haven't seen, but they've already experienced it. Now the question is, what did they learn from it? Because I believe the winner of this game has the inside track to win a Class 3A state. So on that note, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead, since I really have no hard breaks or anything like that, just go ahead and give you the scores. In 6A, you had Derby 23, Manhattan 21. In other words, they avenged that loss from earlier. Topeka, Washburn, Rural against Wichita East. And I know some are wanting to know, how did that game turn out? Well, I will let you hear it first before I give you the score. So let's just get these highlights on this one as well, too. It was going to pull up highlights. Having some tech issues here, but we're going to get them right about now. We got it worked out. Here we are. Topeka, the East Blue Aces have looked like a team nobody wants to play right now. Yeah. They enter Washburn Rural, winners of eight straight. They've scored 48 or more, seven of those games. Five shutouts. They've dominated last week in Northwest to get to this point. Rural won back in week one by a single point. Jacob. The closest game they played all year. Number one team in 6A though. Hoping to stay perfect East. Trying to continue that dream season. Not a bad start here. Uh, King Leonard. Big hit. Ball's free. J.C. Heim scoops it up. Shortly after. Brenton DeWeese. Flat. Lafayette Thompson. He turns on the Jets. He'll go 70 yards to the half. He knows where the cameras are at, too. Finds it on the sideline. All right, late first quarter. Blue Aces get the ball back and get on the board. Ravel Leak cruising into the end. You know, he's got a blocker. Gets in, and we're all nodded at seven. 30 seconds into the second. DeWeese to Titan Osborne. 10-yard score, 14-7 Junior Blues. Ooh, look at that catch. Uh, that was uh, Leonard there. Nice, nice. INT on the play. Rural would turn it over though. Deontay Mitchell for East Tushbush. He gets in 14 all. Then right before the half, Rural's defense shuts him down. Jaron Hunt. You know, we, we showed you Mitchell, Brandon. He left this game with an ankle injury in the third, and things got away from East a little bit at that point. So hopefully he's okay and that's not a really serious injury. A tough way for East to end the season, but man, what a season it was for the Blue Aces. Yeah, what a Yes, it was indeed a magical season for the East High Blue Aces. Nothing to hang their heads low about. Hey, you you done some things, and you actually had a community of people rallying behind you. So to Coach Inay Akpan, I hope I pronounced that name right because I plan on getting him on my show. 
He has said we can do this, so it's just a matter of time. You know, win, lose, or draw, we, we're going to still get him on here because it's an amazing story what he's done for that program. And if you look at the trajectory, I'm, I'm going to do it like this. Look at the trajectory and the parallel between what Lance Leipold is doing at KU and what Nene Akpen is doing at East High. Kind of on a similar path. But what makes it even more unique with Coach Akpen is the fact that he's a man of color. And I know some people don't want to cross that a river and they don't want to touch that because it's such a sensitive issue. But when you look at the fact that he is the first man of color to take a football team in the City League, Greater Wichita Athletic League, and win a City League championship, that's a first. Now he can put his name up there, regardless of the sports, with the likes of such as a Lafayette Norwood, Charles Goose Dowdy. I mean, that's some good company to be up there with. And there be, may be some names I'm forgetting, but just to say his name along with those names speaks volumes. So what I'm going to do right here now, I am going to, as I say, give you these scores, and then I'm going to take a break because there's not a long list of scoreboard going down now. So once again, back to 6A, Derby knocks off Manhattan 23-21. Topeka Washburn, as you heard in the highlights, uh, take down East High 35-14. Gardner Edgerton, you can flip a coin of who's going to win 6A. It can come down to anybody. Derby, Gardner, Blue Valley, it's, it's up in the air when it comes to those. Anyway, Gardner Edgerton knocks off Blue Valley Northwest by the score of 28-6. Blue Valley, 42, Olathe North, 21. In 5A, one of those wide open ones. But uh team you got to look out for, Mill Valley. It could come down to Cape and Mount Carmel versus Mill Valley. The score as it scores as it went down like this: Cape Mount Carmel 57, Mays 47, setting up a, a game next week between Ike, known as God Goddard Eisenhower, who knocked off the other Mays school by the score of 35 to 14, which means Mill Valley with their 72 to 42 victory over Topeka Seaman in a high-scoring affair will be taking on Blue Valley Southwest 38, who beat Shawnee Heights 38-10. In 4A, Wamigo. Shuts out Wellington 49-0. Looked like they would be playing Andover Central, who just slipped past McPherson by the score of 28-21. Good season for McPherson. Tonganoxie in a high-scoring game with Atchison comes away with a 57-50 victory, and they will be taking on St. Thomas Aquinas, who knocked off Baser Linwood. 3A looks this way. Cheney, 23, Clay Center, 21. Ooh, what a dog fight that was. Of course, Clay Center is known to have uh, traditional teams as well, too. Traditionally, they've been pretty good team. Have some have had some pretty good teams over the year. That much I do know. And, of course, you got the score. Andell 50, Cole Collegiate 25, setting up the big rematch that everybody wants to see. Holton 35, Frontenac 22. Topeka Hayden, 64, Parsons, 19. So you have Houghton going up against Topeka Hayden. Class 2A, Poisonton, 49, southeast of Saline, 42. Will be taking on Norton, who came away with a 20-6 victory over Ellsworth. Sabatha, 49, over Humboldt, 18. And they'll be taking on Nemaha Central, who knocked off Osage City by the score of 53-27. In 1A, Conway Springs, 28, Marion, 28. Medicine Lodge, 48. Valley Heights, 30. 
Pittsburgh, St. Mary's, Colgan, 33, St. Mary's, 8, Jefferson County North, 52, and they brought OP's season to an end, beating them 52-0. Eight-man division one, like I said, I'm going to get my good friend uh, Matt Fowler on. We're going to talk about this on Saturday. Eight-man, El Saline, 44, Hoxie, 42, Wichita County, 66, Rollins County, 34, West Elk, 58, Linden, 12, Kyle Paravel, 48, Chase County, 23. Eight-man division two, Victoria, 66, Dighton, 20, South Central, 58, Mineola, 12, Frankfurt, a town I used to have to uh, go through to get to a town called Onaga, comes away with a 38-12 victory over Hanover, Axtell, 54, at Powerhouse against Osborne, 6, and closing out the scoreboard. And six-man, Ashland, 50, Norton Valley, 38. Bird City, 54. Ingalls, 8. Tescott, 52. Waverly, 45. And five overtimes. Nobody wanted to lose. And Cunningham, 70. Honey Heights, 60. So there is your scoreboard right there. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to look at the KCAC. As well as the... In a IA top 25, as we are getting ready to get geared up for some playoffs in NAIA, and there are some KCAC schools that will be involved. So, after this, I will be right back. So, don't you dare go nowhere. It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor. Anthony Smith. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man. Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man. The glass man will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that will make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, glass man. Bring your vehicle to the Glassman just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. Who ready? I'm ready. Who ready? I'm ready. Well, give me my dirt theme music. Be best in all of college football. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Your host, your conductor, the one and only Anthony Smith, bringing you the best in sports news throughout the state of Kansas, the number one podcast. Let me say that again, the number one podcast. And I'm not going to even say without any data to back it up because I know it is like beating a dead horse over the head. Y'all already know what I'm going to say, so I'm just going to leave it at the best podcast throughout the state of Kansas. What makes it number one is this, I'm going to always say, is you that take the time out to listen to it at the time when you listen to it because at that time it's number one at that moment for you so you the listener are what make this podcast what it is and i am nothing without you so for that 
I simply want to say thank you. So now we shift the gears. We're still talking football, but we're looking at the KCAC, looking at scores from this past weekend as Southwestern College getting their mojo going just in time for playoffs as they knock off McPherson College by the score of 28-21. to Friends University Falcons have been humming like a well-oiled machine pretty much all season. Maybe a few speed bumps along the way, but 68-6 to winners over Bethany College. That says something. Kansas Wesleyan University knocks off Sterling College by the score of 24-13. to 13. Tabor College knocks off Ottawa University 31-28. to 28. No score listed for Avila versus University of St. Mary and Evangel ranked number 9 in the country squeaks past Bethel College coached by A.B. Stokes so they gave them all they wanted but they came up just a little bit short by the score of 41 to 38 so now what we're going to do is take a look at the standings in the KCAC starting with the Dr. Ted Kessinger division Evangel in the division, they are 5-1. and 11-0 overall with an undefeated record. Ranked number 9 in the country. Followed by Friends University right here in Wichita. Their motto, the only college football game in town. At 4-1 in the division, 9-2 overall. Followed by up the road in North Newton, Kansas, Bethel College at three and two in division, six and five overall, and somewhat of a well, how can I say? Probably not Southwestern College standards. Two and three in conference, but eight and three overall. McPherson College at one and four in the conference, five and six overall, and Bethany College zero oh and five and. 1 and 10 overall. The Franklin Gene Bissell Division looks like this Kansas Wesleyan University at 4 and 1 overall, 8, no, 4 and 1 in division, 8 and 3 overall. Ottawa at 4 and 1, 6 and 5 overall. They picked the fine time to start winning their games, but they also picked the time to lose some too. Nonetheless, what's most important is in division of form one, they're six and five overall. Avila College at two and two in division, three and seven overall. Tabor College, two and three, three and eight overall. University of St. Mary, one and three, three and seven overall. And Sterling College at one and four in division, two and nine overall. And there you have a look at the KCAC. Now what I want to do is take a look at the NAIA. 
as we look at the as we look at the rankings pretty much and some players of the week we can pull that information up because this particular ranking is the one that's really going to be the of importance as now teams are getting ready to get paired for playoffs and here we have it right here the as it says right here we have some 2023 NAIA football players of the week for week 11 which was in November the 13th games well there were some games November well for the week of November the 13th this is all after the games were played over the weekend on Saturday as Adrian Parsons of Mid-America Nazarene, Kansas has been named the NAIA Football Offensive Player of the Week. Ty Martinson of Doan, Nebraska has been named the NAIA Football Defensive Player of the Week. And Jonah Edwards of Evangel, Missouri has been named the NAIA Football Special Teams Player of the Week. And now we're looking at the 2023 NAIA Football Championship Series qualifiers, which were announced. So you're going to hear some matchups. So, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, NAIA, announced the 20-team field and the matchups for the first round of the NAIA Football Championship Series, FCS, on Sunday. The FCS will kick off on Saturday, November 18th, at four campus sites across the country. Top 12 seeds receive a first-round bye. The full field features 13 automatic qualifiers and seven at-large berths. In order to qualify for an automatic bid, Teams must win their conference regular season or division title. At-large berths were determined by the NAIA Football National Selection Committee. Teams earning an at-large berth must be ranked in the top 25 of the final NAIA Coaches Top 25 poll, which can be assessed. The 68th Annual NAIA National Championship will accumulate on will culminate on December 18th at Durham County Memorial Stadium in Durham, North Carolina. For more information on the 2023 NAIA National Championships, they have a website that you can go to that I am not looking at right now. But here are the qualifier highlights. You have Northwestern, Iowa, Grandview, Iowa, and Evangel, Missouri are undefeated with a combined 32-0 record. Six teams in the field have a combined 13 red banners. Ten of the 20 teams in the FCS played in the postseason a year ago. St. Thomas, Florida, and Louisiana Christian are playing in the FCS for the first time in program history. 
And this is the list of the new 20-team format where the top 12 get a first-round bye. The NWC Red Raiders have played in the most FCS games with 51 total, while their conference foes from Morningside, Iowa, have won the most FCS games, 34. The Frontier and Greater Plains Athletic Conference are tied for the most teams with three each. So let's see how this is. The top 12 qualifiers are as follows. Northwestern Iowa, 11-0. Grandview, Iowa, 11-0. Kaiser, Florida, 8-2. Georgetown, Kentucky, 8-1. Marion, Indiana, 9-1. Indiana Wesleyan, 9-1. Bethel, Tennessee, 10 and 1. Montana Western, 9 and 1. Evangel, Missouri, 11 and 0. Morningside, Iowa, 9 and 2. College of Idaho, 8 and 2. St. Xavier out of Illinois, 7 and 3. Those are your top 12 qualifiers. The first round matchups are looking as such. St. Thomas, Florida, 8-3 versus Reinhardt, Georgia, 8-2. Montana Tech, 7-3 versus Dickinson State, North Dakota, 9-1. Dort, Iowa, 8-2 versus Ottawa, Kansas, 6-5. Baker, Kansas, 8-2 versus Louisiana Christian, 9-1. So I hope this gives you a little bit of Breakdown. As a matter of fact, here are some more as the 2023 NAIA Football Championship Series qualifiers. Here are a list of the schools in alphabetical order, which is going to give you their the name of the school, the qualification method, their season record, and it's also going to give you an appearance, give you how many times they have appeared. So. First, we start off with Baker out of Kansas. Heart of America, South Division champion, 8-2 record. 20 appearances, last qualified 2020, FCS record, 18-19, no titles. I have to give this young man and his team an applause right here. Uh, Coach A.B. Stokes, Bethel, Kansas, Heart of, and they are, they too, well, they got an at-large bid. Season record, oh, I take that back. This is not Bethel out of Kansas. I take that back. This is Bethel, Tennessee. They are an at-large with the 10-1 record. They have appeared seven times. Last qualified, 2022, their FCS record is 3-6. and six. College, College of Idaho at-large, 8-2 record. Two appearances. Last appeared 2019 with a 1-1 one one record. Dickinson State out of North Dakota. North Store North Star Atlantic Association champion, 9-1 record. 24 appearances, last appeared 2022, 7-23 record. Dort, Iowa, at large, 8-2. Two appearances, 20, last appeared 2020, 0-1. Evangel, Missouri, Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference, Kessinger Division champion, 11-0. Eight appearances, last appeared 2005. So this definitely was a magical season for them. Their record is 7-7. Seven seven. 
Georgetown, Kentucky, Mid-South Conference champion, 8-1, eight, eight 23 appearances, last appeared 2022. Their record is 25-19. Titles won three. So they should be someone to keep an eye on. Grandview, Iowa, Heart of America North Division champion, 10-0 record this year. 12 appearances, last appeared 2022. Their record is 14-10. And they claim both to one championship. Indiana Wesleyan, Mid-States Football Association, Mid-East champion. Record is 9-1, three appearances, last period 2022. Their record is 2-2. Two two. Kaiser, Florida, the Sun Conference champion. 8-2 record, five appearances. Last period 2022, 6-4 record. Louisiana Christian, Sooner Athletic Conference champion, 9-1, and one, one appearance. That's this year. No records across the board after that. Marion, Indiana, at large, 9-1, 12 appearances, last appeared 2022. Their record is 29. They boast two championships. Montana Tech, at large, 7-1, 10 appearances, 20 last Last appeared 2016, record is 5 and 9. Montana Western Frontier Conference champions, 9 and 1. Five appearances, last appeared 2021, their record is 1 and 4. This team here, they just seemed like coming back as well, too. Morningside, Iowa, at large, 9 and 2 record. 20 appearances, last appeared 2022, record 34 and 16, three championships. So that's someone you might want to keep an eye on as well, too. They know how to win. Northwestern Iowa, Great Plains Athletic Conference champion, 11-0, 25 appearances, last period, 2022, record 30-21, and 21, three championships that they boast. Ottawa, Kansas, Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference Bissell Division champion, 6-5, 10 appearances last period 2024. Their record is 1-9. Ryan Hart, Georgia. Appalachian Athletic Conference champion. 8-2 record. 9 appearances 2022. 6-7 record. No championships. St. Xavier, Illinois. Mid-State Football Association Midwest champion. 7-3 record. 10 of 16 appearances. Last period 2022. Record 18-14. One championship, and last, Thomas, Florida, St. Thomas, Florida, at large, eight and three, one appearance. This is their first appearance. So there you have a look at the NAIA playoff picture, the teams that are in it, the matchups, and how many times these teams have appeared, and how many championships have been won. So I hope that keeps you well informed as to what's going on in the NAIA. Well, guess what? The train engines are still revving up, picking up ahead of steam, and we still have some more to come. So, as I always say, stay in your seat until the ride is done because the way I see it, we are far from finished. Just now I'm picking up ahead of steam. So what I'm going to do right here is, I am going to 
take a break. When I come back, we just enjoy the ride and enjoy whichever direction this train takes us because I'm about to put this baby on autopilot. You ever heard of a train on autopilot? Well, just heard of it. If you haven't, you just heard of it. We're going autopilot and we're just going to enjoy the ride. Be right back. Mr. Max Market, formerly known as P&P, is fully stocked for all your grocery needs. We carry the largest selection of hot links in Wichita, including the world-famous Oklahoma links from Mountain View and Rogers, Kansas links from Yoder, Colorado links from Gold Star as well as national brands such as Siegel, and Dietz. Our meat department stocks ribs, pork butts, pork chops, brisket, hams, chicken, hamburger meat, oxtails, buffalo fish, whole catfish and fillets, and much more. In season, we stock hard-to-find produce such as red, yellow, orange, and purple meat watermelon, cantaloupe, melons, tomatoes, corn, greens, okra, and more. We have a huge selection of fish fry, seasonings, sauces, and rubs including the full lines of Louisiana and Slap Ya Mama products. In addition, we have all grocery staples including flour, sugar, bread, butter, cheese, snacks, milk, and goods, candy, snacks, and drinks. Chip, crack, or completely broken, does your vehicle need the glass man? Hey, glass man! Whether it's from recent hailstorms, a rock from the road, vandalism, whatever has you looking through a chip or crack, call the glass man. Hey, glass man! The Glassman will fix your vehicle's glass the right way with certified technicians that'll make sure your replacement glass is calibrated with all its original safety features. Hey, Glassman! Bring your vehicle to the Glassman just west of West Street on Central or get it fixed by their mobile unit, 316-669-GLASS or at heyglassman.com. Hey, what's happening? It's Rick Thomas with Running the Table, and you already know you are on board the A-Train. Hang on for the ride. Welcome back to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. That's right. It's a wonderful Wednesday. Weather's nice outside, near 70 degrees. Just doesn't feel like we're getting that close to Thanksgiving, but when you walk out or drive around in the neighborhood, you notice the coloration of the leaves and all the leaves on the ground, and you know it's fall season, you know Thanksgiving is approaching. Notice I said Thanksgiving and not Christmas, because we're always trying to put the cart before the horse. Wouldn't it be funny to see a cart pulling a team of horses? Won't happen. So, yeah, I said Thanksgiving. Anyway... We're shifting things around. We're actually still talking football. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson to start for Browns versus Steelers amid Deshaun Watson injury. Yep, that's right. You heard it first right here. There has been an injury, and it is a season-ending injury, which is why DTR will be starting for Deshaun Watson. 
based on his injury. That's right. So the Cleveland Browns will start Dorian Thompson-Robinson ahead of P.J. Walker for Sunday's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski told reporters the news Wednesday after Bleacher Reports' Jordan Schultz first reported the decision. Thompson-Robinson will replace Deshaun Watson, who requires season-ending surgery for a shoulder injury. A statement from the Cleveland Browns regarding Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson underwent magnetic renaissance imaging, MRI Monday, on two injuries sustained on different plays in the first half of Sunday's 33-31 win over the Baltimore Ravens. Imaging on his left ankle revealed a high ankle sprain. In addition, post-game, Deshaun notified our medical staff of a few discomforts in his right shoulder that he felt after a hit in the first half. An MRI of his right shoulder revealed a displaced uh, fracture to the glenoid. Despite performing at a high level and finishing the game, after consultation with Brown's head physician, James Voss, MD, and industry-leading shoulder specialist, Neil, and I'm not sure what that last name is. I'm not going to even try to butcher it, but the first name is Neil. And he's an MD. It has been determined that this injury will require immediate surgical repair to avoid further actual da- structural damage. Deshaun will be placed on season-ending injured reserve. So the 2023 fifth round pick has appeared in three games throwing for 130 yards and three interceptions on 37 attempts. The Browns have certainly come to regret not being more active ahead of the NFL trade deadline. Their long-term future remains tied to Watson, whose fully guaranteed five-year $230 million contract runs through 2026. He has already missed three games due to injuries this season, so acquiring a better backup quarterback would have made sense. Instead, Cleveland is left to choose between two less than desirable options. With the team looking to at least hold on to its wild card position, leaning on the more experienced Walker might be the choice for some. The 28-year-old hasn't exactly looked convincing when filling in for Watson. As Jason Lloyd at by Jason Lloyd said, nobody asked me, but at some point they have to give DTR another look. Walker is a turnover machine. It's the one poison pill to their smothering defense. Just hand the ball off, throw a few screens, and take an occasional deep shot on third down. See if DTR is ready to do that. Of course, DTR, you know, is Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Walker has completed fewer than half of his passes while throwing for 618 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions with the Browns. That's not a good touchdown-interception ratio. That's a one-to-five ratio in the wrong direction. His time with the Carolina Panthers wasn't much different as he had twice as many picks, 11, as touchdowns, five, while posting a dismal 63.9 passer rating. Thompson-Robinson 
was a bright spot from Cleveland's preseason, passing for 440 yards, two touchdowns in four games. I mean, hey, it sounds like it would make sense to give the rookie a chance. I mean, who knows? He could be on parallel, unbeknownst with uh, that kid at for the Houston Texans. What's his name? Now I can't even think of his name. But in terms of replacing Watson, there isn't a clear outside solution in free agency. And general manager Andrew Berry ruled out any notable addition for the time being. Maybe Thompson Robinson isn't the Browns' answer under center, but it's worth it to find out. So, there. Now, if you want, for those of you who look at placing bets, whatnot, the line actually started out as Pittsburgh minus well, the money line is minus 105, Cleveland 115. The bet line was Pittsburgh plus 10, which means Cleveland was a minus. Well, actually, I take that back. It was Pittsburgh plus 1.0, Cleveland minus 1.0. I'm pretty sure with the news of Deshaun Watson out, or that may have been since the news of Deshaun Watson. I'm pretty sure it might have been a little bit higher had Deshaun Watson been healthy to play. But then again, that's not a given either. So, yes, Cleveland is banking this on their defense. So, talk about being snake bit. First, Nick Chubb. Now, Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson even more so because Deshaun Watson really hasn't looked like Deshaun Watson. But yet, he has a fully five-year, $230 million guaranteed contract. Is this something that owners are going to look at and be like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, dog bite me once, shame on that dog. But I'd be darned if that dog gonna bite me and shame me. Look at Cleveland. They ain't got no wiggle room. I was listening to Colin Cowherd earlier today, and he was talking about the quarterback situation and how some teams are suffering even though they have quarterbacks that aren't playing. Uh, Tampa Bay took a $35 million cap hit for a guy they didn't play. Tom Brady. Uh, you look at the New York Jets. They gave up a lot of draft capital and picks and whatnot to get Aaron Rodgers, who played all of four snaps, and snap, crackle, pop, went to the Achilles. I mean, is it really a safe thing to mortgage your house and car and anything else of value on one quarterback, not knowing if that's going to be the answer? Or do you just get one in the lower rounds? I mean, look, it's working for the San Francisco 49ers. Granted, Brock Purdy has seemed to have come back down to earth, but look like the 49ers are picking up steam again. I mean, is that going to be the norm? I mean, look, it worked for the New England Patriots for 20-something years until Brady said, you know what, I'm going my own way, and went to Tampa Bay and picked him up another Super Bowl and maybe another season on his way to retirement. Of course, he had to do the supermodel. Giselle, or however you pronounce her name, but the main thing is, how much do you want to pay your quarterbacks? I mean, first we shifted from paying the running backs. Then you look at Minnesota. Is there going to be a shift of, all right, do we pay these wide receivers or do we not pay them? Because now you look at Minnesota Vikings. You know, everybody was trying to run Kirk Cousins out of town. And I really hate to say this like this. Some are probably glad, and they're not going to admit it, but I'm going to say some are probably glad that Kirk Cousins isn't playing due to injury. You've been griping about him. Yeah, 
Y'all treat Kirk Cousins like some Dallas people treat Dak Prescott as if everything is his fault. But at the same time, he still performs. Even when they take weapons away from him, he still performs. Y'all going to miss him when he's gone. I'm just saying. But is there going to be a shift from, first of all, you shift from paying running backs. Justin Jefferson goes down. Minnesota ends up going 5-0. and Are you going to stop paying your wide receivers? And then my question is, at what point do you stop giving these quarterbacks these massive guaranteed contracts, uh, i.e. the Cleveland Browns, and not really getting nothing in return with the product on the field? Well, there is still yet some more news. We're going to stick with the NFL because there is so much more news as we are sticking with the NFL. What's going on in New England? NFL rumors. Patriots, Mac Jones has lost vast majority of locker room after week 10. My question is, when did he ever have the locker room? So the internal support for quarterback Mac Jones from his New England Patriots teammates has eroded to a significant degree, according to Boston Herald's Andrew Callahan. One team source estimated that at least 80% of the Patriots' locker room is out on Jones, Callahan reported on Wednesday. Another said the vast majority of players are done with him. Both said the lack of belief spreads to both sides of the ball, with a shared sense that Jones is Worst mistakes negate the best efforts of his teammates. Especially in light of Callahan's report, there may may be no coming back for Jones at this point. From the outside, it looks as though head coach Bill Belichick has little to no faith in the 2021 first-round pick at this point. Otherwise, he wouldn't have benched his starting quarterback inside the final two minutes of New England's 10-6 loss to the Indianapolis Colts with the game on the line. And it would be one thing if Belichick were a dissenting voice within the organization. In that scenario, you could talk yourself into the idea Jones would fare much better with a new coach on the sideline. Who's coaching the team becomes irrelevant when Jones' teammates are equally critical of him. Patriots legend Rob Gronkowski made the case for Jones to request an outright release to get a fresh start elsewhere. Kay Adams at Hey K Adams says he's not respected in New England. Grunk makes the case for Mac Jones to ask for his release and go to Cleveland. Cleveland? Cleveland? You have got to be kidding me. Cleveland. That doesn't even ring a bell. That doesn't even... Okay, Gronk. Of course. Anyway. You know you're down bad when the Cleveland Browns, the biggest QB graveyard in the league, are being floated as a better situation. Teams typically don't cut their starting quarterback in the middle of the season. So the Patriots probably aren't moving on from Jones that quickly. 
but a separation after the year concludes is looking more and more likely. So, I want to know, what do you guys think? Do you think that this is the end for Mac Jones in New England? And did this just start brewing, or has this been brewing for quite some time, and now it's about to come to an ugly head as we know it? Wow. Mac Jones has lost the locker room. Well, now what I want to do before I bring this train to the station, I want to take a look at the other association in the NBA. Inside the Clippers' growing pains. Getting superstars to sacrifice plus Harden on critics. Let's take this journey down Clipper Railways. Denver Nuggets 9-2 went up 44-39 in the second quarter after Contavious Caldwell Pope drilled a three-pointer in transition third Tuesday night. The Los Angeles Clippers swiftly took a timeout. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Ivanka Zubak, P.J. Tucker, and Russell Westbrook five players in the game at the time. Took their seats while head coach Teron Liu converged on the court with his coaching staff to discuss the next plan of attack. Then James Harden was notified off to the was notified off to the side that he would be subbing in for Westbrook. He now had to inform his fellow star. He stood next to Westbrook, slapped him on the chest, to get his attention and said, I got you. Westbrook looked up surprised as he stared into space. He didn't know he would be subbed out at that juncture. This is what it's like to be a member of the Clippers in a pivotal period of experimenting, incorporating, demoting, and sacrificing. Roles and substitution patterns are being tinkered with on the fly. Harden again subbed for Westbrook with 520 left in the fourth quarter. Westbrook would only return for a two-second defensive stint with 15 seconds remaining on the game clock. One can only wonder how the 3-7 and seven Clippers can keep all their stars happy with 72 games remaining on the schedule. This is my toughest challenge as a head coach, but I'm up for the task for sure, Lou told Bleacher Report after the Clippers dropped their sixth straight game. A 111-108 loss to the Nuggets. The biggest thing is getting these guys to sacrifice for guys, whether that's starting the game, finishing the game, finishing the game, shots, touches, who's running picks and rolls, and things like that. Getting these guys to sacrifice will be the biggest challenge all season. Despite the losing streak, players in the Clippers locker room are expressing their commitment to doing what's best for the team. We're all honoring this adjustment sacrifice. We understand it. Simple as that. No one is going against that. Nobody is frustrated about it, George told Bleacher Report. We know what we have. There's one ball and there's four good mother, you know, fill in the blank. And we understand that and embrace it. We want to make each other better 
and I don't think one person is complaining one bit about it. At least not yet. At least not yet. They might not be complaining, but I'm going to tell you like this. Look at the body language. Look at the substitution pattern. Look at that one player that's looking off into space like, what the heck is going on? The Clippers are not marred to the current starting, or not married to the current starting lineup, sources say. Should they make a change, that could start to change the tune of the locker room. Leonard and Westbrook exited the locker room before reporters were allowed in. We've got a talented team, Lou told Bleacher Report. Guys are not going to play that. Guys are not going to play that deserve to play. It's just, it's just tough. Harden, who is 0-5 with his new team, shared his thought process with Bleach Report on how he's trying to integrate his skill set without interfering with the continuity that's already been established. Just communication and making sure I'm doing my part with preparation and knowing where we're trying to get to on both sides of the ball, Harden explained to Bleacher Report. I played a handful of games, and obviously we're not winning. But I'm off the ball more than I've ever been in a very long time. I'm just trying to find a balance between that and getting more pick and rolls. Our coaching staff and my teammates have communicated about getting me in more pick and roll sets. We have a lot of talent, so we're just trying to accommodate and make sure everyone is happy. We're trying to get to what works to make us the best Clippers team. I'm just trying to find my way to leave an imprint on the game. I'm using the first 10 games to get in real NBA basketball shape. Wait a minute, hold on. Why would you be out of NBA shape, first and foremost? I think it was Doug Gottlieb that said it like this. The difference between a 39-year-old LeBron James and a 32-year-old LeBron James, something like that, he said. Basically said, LeBron James take care of his body and James Harden pretty much doesn't. He doesn't put that time in like LeBron, which is why LeBron can say things like the sound bite that he's doing things that he could do when he was 20 years old. He says, I didn't have a training camp, so it's going to take some time. Well, that's your fault you didn't have a training camp. Shouldn't have been over there in China rolling around on the scooter talking about Daryl Morey is a liar getting fined 100k for that that's your fault you're out of shape not Daryl Morey's case all the gyms in the world you can go to one and keep yourself in shape well I don't want to hear that Lou said he recently met with seven players to discuss their roles moving forward Bones Highland was one of them the third year guard appeared to be on the verge of a standout year averaging 11.8 points in 23.5 minutes off the bench through the first eight games with the acquisition of Harden, Lou explained to Highland that he would not be in the rotation for the foreseeable future to allow the organization time to see what they have in other lineups. Highland was given a time frame of five to six game window, sources say. He communicated with me, and that's all you can ask for. It can be frustrating, but I'm just going to stay ready, Highland told Bleach Report. Of course, I want to play, but I just try to keep things in perspective. I've experienced worse. I face death situations, so this is something I can handle. Until the Clippers find their groove, they'll continue to be susceptible to scathing criticism, particularly Harden. 
Harden was the focus of a viral rant from Valley Sports Southwest NBA analyst Brian Demers, who said Harden has was the problem at the very at the very stop. The clip has since been deleted from the company's Twitter account at the urging of Valley Sports executive, who said it did not reflect the Mavericks organization. Mavericks owner Mark Cuban is known for not being a fan of local broadcasters ripping players on their team, but he played no role in having the video removed, sources said. Harden shared his perspective on that commentary. I didn't even hear exactly what he said, but people were telling me he was going in on me, Harden told Bleach Report. He doesn't know me or the situation. That would be blanked up if I went at him and started being disrespectful being disrespectful to him, but I can't. They don't know anything. They just go off what they see on social media or hearsay. I don't know exactly what he said, but I play that blank, no mind. I do a really good job at ignoring the noise because it doesn't affect me. It's just people talking. I guarantee that I guarantee that if you put whoever is talking in this situation, it wouldn't be beneficial for them. That's my mindset, but my focus is getting wins. Clippers from the front office, coaching staff, and players all recall the 0-5 stretch last season, and they signed Westbrook. Patience is being preached and enacted knowing that it's better to go through such a period early in the season. When we figure this out, it's going to be scary, Harden told Bleach Report. After registering a season-high 21 points, we're getting there. We'll let others talk, and we'll put the work in. It's going to take some time, and that's okay. So, do you think it's going to be okay? Or knowing Harden's track record, how long do you think it'd be before he gets disgruntled and wants to work his way from La La Land, the L.A. Clippers? Well, I hope you have enjoyed the ride on the train as much as I've enjoyed being your conductor. I'm getting ready to bring this train into the station. But until the next time, as I always tell you, keep your tickets because they are reusable. Matter of fact, they didn't even cost you nothing. Because we're going to fire up these engines and we're going to ride this train again. So until the next time, Take care of yourself and each other. It's been a blast for me being your host and conductor on the state's number one podcast, the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Anthony Smith, I'm out.